Good morning, church. I want to begin by telling you a story. A story about something I saw this week and should have made me do a double take. I should have had to squint my eyes to make sure I was seeing something correctly. Now that I all have you on the edge of your seats, or um, let's be real, uh, your comfy couches, I'll tell you what I saw. A man walking down my street carrying 50 rolls of toilet paper. His hands were full. He was struggling along, but he had found the quote-unquote gold mine. Now at any other time and in any other place, this would have caused me to do what I said before, a double take, you know, look at it, look away, and then snap back with a, did I see that right? But not now. And actually, as I watched this man, I felt sad. Now, I'm assuming that this person did not actually need 50 rolls of toilet paper. But I felt sad because I knew that they thought by stocking up on toilet paper, they could hold on to some sort of control in the midst of a bunch of craziness. Getting toilet paper probably lowered this man's anxiety about what's going on in the world. See, it's not actually about toilet paper, is it? It's about thinking that we are okay. Are we okay? That question's come to the front of my mind recently. Probably for you too. Are you okay? Or maybe, maybe you think you aren't okay. Psalm 29 is the perfect psalm for us this morning. It tells us the story of, of heavenly beings which is Bible talk for gods who are other deities, heavenly creatures, less powerful than God, under the control of Yahweh. And these beings are giving Yahweh the glory, the strength, the splendor, the, the honor to his name, to his holiness. It's a psalm that points out the voice of God that is so unique, so powerful, and spans so far. It reaches from Antarctica to the Rocky Mountains and everywhere in between. It's the voice of God that matters. And his voice is what will put us at ease. We sometimes need help to know how to listen to God, how to hear his voice, or where to turn our ears to hear him. And so this morning, the sermon has three parts to it. And after each part of the sermon, there's going to be a brief time for thought or discussion. And so if you're worshiping as a family or with others around you, hit the pause button and ask yourself the questions that are in the order of worship. Discuss them or think about them personally. This is meant to be a time of, of reflection if you're worshiping alone, consider texting or calling a friend or family member who will be listening to this too. Of course, you can always, you know, let these questions sit and think about them for a while too. Don't be afraid of silence. This isn't a quiz. There are no right or wrong answers. This is a time for us to consider what God is inviting us into today. And so the three points are, what are we carrying or hoarding. Second, where is God's voice in our world? And third, how can we receive peace and strength for today? What are we carrying? Where is God's voice? And how do we receive peace and strength? So first, wh what do we carry or hoard? 
the first word in this psalm that we see is a word that I have never, ever used in a conversation before in my life. Right? It's the word ascribe. It's hard to begin reading something or listening to something when you don't even understand the first word. Am I right? And so let's just hit the pause button for a second, not literally, just figuratively, and, and just think about this. What does the word ascribe mean? Really, it has a lot of different meanings. But one way that we can, we can describe this word is that it, it means to give something to someone. To ascribe is to, to hand over. Um, let's say, you know, your mom is cooking dinner or your dad is cooking dinner and, and they say, okay, dinner is ready. Time to ascribe yourself to the kitchen table. Now that would be quite awkward to, to actually do that. But, but the, 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 what it's illustrating for us is what this word means. It means to bring ourselves to and give ourselves to a specific person or being or place or time. Give yourself to the kitchen table. Give yourself to the king. Ascribe yourself. But not just anything. Something really important. You've got to bring something really important. You see, the heavenly beings in verse 1 are the things that the psalmist is, is asking. To, they're handing over things to God. And what the psalmist is saying to them is that, that they have to take what's most important to them. The identity forming things for them. To name these and then to hand them over to God, to recognize that it's actually his glory, his strength, his splendor. See, what this psalm shows us is that we're called to, to identify and to think of our best attributes, the things that, that we think are what make us special or unique the things that we, we really like about ourselves, that we hold close, that we take credit for, these are the things that we need to name. These are the things that we need to ascribe to God, recognizing that he is the one who gives it to us. It is a call to honesty. Right? We are creatures, not the creator. Personally, over the past year and a half as your pastor, I've taken seriously the calling God has given me. I've worked hard and I've, you know, as it were, taken um, pride uh, in my ability to be your pastor. Now, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. Don't get that. Don't get that idea. But in my mind, I know I can do at least a few things pretty well. I've gotten pretty good at it. And then this virus hit and forced us to do church differently, and forced me to be a pastor differently. And I realized this week that I've gotten pretty used to being able to do things by myself. And then all the changes have forced me to realize I can't. I have to recognize how out of control things are to me. And I've been forced, my hand has been forced to hand over what's been most dear to me. To say, God, you are the God of strength. I am not. You hold all things in your hand. I do not. The past few weeks have forced me to ascribe a lot of things to God that I'd rather have kept close to me. But I can't. Now what? 
where do I turn after I realize that I am not able to do all the things that I thought I could do, to be all the things I thought I could be? Do I reach for the toilet paper too? You know, what else do we, we cling to in a time like this? Maybe you're like me. Maybe the time we find ourselves in has brought out in you things that you hold on to, that are being forced out of your control. What would it look like for us to name these things? To recognize our tendency to, to cling to parts of our lives that we do a pretty good job of, of providing for ourselves and thinking that we have the control over. See, naming, naming these things is the first step in receiving peace and strength from God. Because when, when, when things are finally wrestled from our hands, maybe your job, maybe competency with technology, maybe your ability to foresee what's coming in the next week or two weeks, maybe safety for your family, all of these things, are when they get ripped from us, we have to turn somewhere. Take some time to think or talk about the questions in the liturgy. So point two, where is God's voice? Most of this psalm is focused on God's voice. Right? It repeats itself seven times in the 11 verses. So when I was in seminary, I was taught that when looking at a piece of the Bible, to make sure to pay attention to the repeated words. It's the repeated words that are really important and that tell us a lot about the text. And so in this psalm, God's voice is important. But why? I'll never forget the feeling of being alone when I went to my first period class at my new school. This was back in high school. And I didn't know anyone. I was in a classroom of... Uh, full of complete strangers. And one of the first assignments in class was a group project. And as the teacher dismissed us to find our own groups, I felt the fear that many introverts have felt as I thought to myself, great, I don't know anyone. And I have to find a group of complete strangers in this room full of people who know each other. And then I heard someone's voice, hey, would you like to be a part of our group? These were powerful words for me to hear. Our voices are powerful. Think of a time when someone's voice stood up for you. Or when someone said words, powerful words like, I love you. Or powerful words like, you're fired. Voices can lift us or sink us. This is why God's voice is important, because it changes our lives. Look at how much power and majesty God's voice has over the world. It thunders. It thunders over the mighty waters. It is powerful. It is majestic. It breaks cedars. Now hold on, you say, breaking cedars? <laughs> breaking cedars of Lebanon? Why does the psalmist say that? Well, two reasons. Okay, so first we see that there are actually two places that are identified here. First, the cedars of Lebanon, and second, the desert of Kadesh. Now, what's important about these places is that they are far, far, far away from each other. 
Lebanon in the far north and Kadesh in the far south. It would be like saying from Vancouver, BC to St. John's, Newfoundland, from coast to coast. These places could not be further apart. God's voice is completely sovereign, right? From, From east to west, from north to south, from Lebanon to Kadesh, from Vancouver to St. John's. Notice also that there are two pieces of nature that are identified with these places, right? The cedars of Lebanon and the desert of Kadesh. Why would they go into, why would the psalmist go into detail here? Well, these things were the most impressive features in both locations. It's what they were known for. And so the psalmist, by identifying these places and these things, is saying God's voice is sovereign, right? It is, it spans from the east to the west, from the north to the south. It has It has power and control over every location and over the most important, over the most special, over the most impressive things in these places too. God's voice is everywhere and changes everything. Spend some time thinking or talking about the questions in the liturgy. So how can we have peace and strength today? As this psalm concludes, it it actually closes with stunning words. It says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Wow. Many of us look at that and say, Yes, I need strength. I'm feeling so weak trying to keep up with all the changes in life right now. Or I need peace because I don't know what's going on with my work. Like this psalm says, how do we receive this peace and the strength that the Lord gives? Well, church, we look to Jesus Christ. See, you would expect, or I would expect at least, a God with a voice like this to use it to use it powerfully. Imagine if you had the power and might in your voice to break trees or to shake deserts or to speak everywhere. How would you use that superpower? So how does God use it? The God of glory and strength, the one whose voice has the power to break cedars, humbles himself. He humbles himself. And he let himself be condemned by false voices at an unjust trial. These voices were the people who were shouting at Jesus' trial in God's temple, not glory, but crucify him, crucify him. These people had powerful voices. And Jesus, without defending himself, without voicing himself, without clarifying the fact that he was innocent to these false charges, he, he let himself go to the cross. He let the nails pierce his hands and the spear pierce his side. 
And among the few words that he did say when he was hanging on the cross was not anything in judgment. It was, there was no thundering. There was no, there was no, no calling on, on curses on people. No, Jesus turned to his enemies, those who were crucifying him, and said to them, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Why did the most powerful voice choose to be silent? Jesus let himself go to the cross and die so that he could utter these three life-transforming, history-trajectory-changing words, It is finished. It is finished. The most powerful words that anyone has ever spoken, it is finished. Because Jesus Christ, by humbling himself, being born a human being, a helpless baby, living the life that we should have lived, dying the death that we deserve, on the third day, rose again from the dead and and was able to have the last word on death too. Oh, death, where is your sting? Right? Jesus Christ, who has died, who was buried, who rose again and ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, means that we have a Savior who is a king who gets the last word always. There is no place where Jesus does not have authority. He has authority over death itself. This means that Jesus gets the last word, not sin. This means that Jesus gets the last word, not death. This means that Jesus gets the last word, not cancer. Jesus gets the last word, not addiction. Jesus gets the last word, not coronavirus. Jesus gets the last word, not you're laid off. Jesus gets the last word, not anxiety. Jesus gets the last word, not loneliness. Jesus gets the last word, and it's a word of peace and strength for the brokenhearted. It is finished. Cry out glory for who he is, what he has done for us. Worship him as King and Lord. Remember that he gives peace and strength, not to those who have earned it or who work hard for it, but those who follow. It's a gift. Amen. Spend some time thinking or talking about the questions in the liturgy and then close in prayer either the written one or spend some time in personal prayer.